Jim, you're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. From the home front is on the front line of this battle, protecting families, parents, and children, raising the flag in defense of traditional values. News, research, and opinion are a part of each broadcast. Join us in the battle. Together, relying on the wisdom of eternal truths, we can rebuild the American family. You're at the home front. You're talking with Jane, and we have a wonderful guest tonight who's going to make our show so important for you. We have had Dr. Bush on the show in past times, and she just has a wealth of information about uh, what we're doing in our culture to jeopardize the health of particularly young people, our children. And tonight we're going to really focus on one particular topic It's going to relate to almost everybody in the audience, I believe. If you're college age or high school age anticipating college, we're going to be using the word college a number of times during the show because this is the summer when everybody's getting ready to leave for school. Uh, Many freshmen are going to be uh, on, on a great adventure, adventuring out to college, independence, and starting a an education that will launch a career for them. Many of you have been on the college campus already, and you're going to really relate to some of the things that we're talking about in a very personal way. If you're high school age, if you're an adult that has a young person under your guidance, they're going to be preparing for college. And uh, we all have a voice to, to share with our young people the information and the the uh, guidance that we're going to get tonight on our show with Dr. Bush. I want to welcome Dr. Frida Bush to our show. She is the CEO and president of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. It's an organization that's been around for more than 15 years, and she's going to give us a little bit of information of how and why it was formed just in the nature of our discussion. Dr. Bush, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Jane. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you again. The focus of our three segments together, the first segment, I want to introduce an article that was in the New York Times early in April leading up to the summer, and I am sure this school in Boston is going to be continuing this battle about the conversation on condoms on their campus They have a young student, a junior at the college, who is active in an organization that is promoting condoms on the campus. On some Fridays, the group gives away condoms on a sidewalk that's adjacent to the campus. In addition to that, it has 15 dorm rooms on a list, and it calls these rooms safe sites. And I love the word safe here because It's implying that students who visit these rooms are going to be safe from some dire danger, and I think we're going to dispel that notion in our conversation with Dr. Bush. Students can go to these safe sites, and they can get free male and female condoms and all the other things that are associated with condoms and uh, sexual activity. 
And the university has decided that this is contrary to their goals for students. And now the student, uh, Chelsea Lennox, and the group she's working with, and the university, Boston College, are at odds about whether this practice should continue. Dr. Bush, you know a lot about condoms. The Medical Institute has been involved in uh, clarifying and getting the true information out of uh, about condoms for many years Going back to a study that you pushed the CDC to initiate with the National Institutes of Health, do you want to just give us maybe a one or two minute capsule about that? And then I'd like to use this segment to talk about the history of how condoms became so important to our culture and our high school students and our college students. Well, yes, I'd be delighted to tell you that the Medical Institute recognized many years ago, that the condoms provided reduction of risk and did not eliminate the risk, and yet condoms were being produced at or distributed, saying that they were safe, using words like safer sex and protection. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted the scientific support for the use of those words because it gives you the impression that you put on a condom and you're bulletproof, everything's okay. And so what the Medical Institute did was did some literature research for the actual studies that were done to support it and had conversations not only with the NIH, National Institute of Health, but with the Center for Disease Control. And because of these conversations, they called a conference of experts from across the United States that gathered all of the literature that was available at that time, published literature. This was in 2000. And they had a conference and reviewed it. And what they found was that you could not say that condoms reduced the risk for sexually transmitted diseases um, 100% for any of the diseases. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that the risk reduction was actually related to the type of infection that was being studied, and it was principal reduction in the male latex condom. And so I can give you many details. This was really eye-opening for many of the experts who had been promoting condoms and did not realize the limitations on the condoms until this study was convened. Now, this study was done in 2000, and we're going to really hit some of the details of this study in our second segment. So I want people to know as you're listening that this show is very important because each segment is going to open up some new information to make all of it come together and make uh, the most sense possible. If you I would like to give a summary uh, briefly. If sure. Yeah. And basically to say that for sexually transmitted infections, condoms can reduce your risk, but it does not eliminate your risk of getting any of the STDs like HIV, herpes, the human papillomavirus that causes genital warts and cervical cancer. It doesn't um, eliminate your risk for human papillomavirus, as I stated, Mm -hmm. but also for chlamydia and gonorrhea. And even if you use them right every time, you still are at risk. And when you hear the words protection, 
you have to keep in mind that they only cut your risk in half for most of your common STDs like chlamydia and gonorrhea and even less, some studies show, for the HPV. Okay. And so they can also be transmitted by oral sex, and usually the condoms are just used on the male penis or covering the female vagina if you're using the female condom. And it only covers what the condom covers. And many of these diseases are fluid-based, and so there's leakage. Mm -hmm. And many of them are skin-based, and they're not covered by the condom. So I just want to give that summary overview as we begin this conversation. That's great. It's really important because I know some people will be on the road and miss the next segment. I want to let everybody know that all of this information and this entire show is available to you later on a podcast, and we'll have more information just as this segment concludes. It's available on my website, fromthehomefront.org. If you get there, if you miss any part of this show, you can just uh, get right back onto it and listen to it in its entirety. Dr. Bush, at this point, talking about the history of condoms, I think sometimes uh, at our point in time in 2014, young people, parents think this is the way it's always been. This is all they've known. Uh, it's the message they've always gotten. You've uh, mentioned a couple of really important words, safe and protection. So that's almost a mantra that's hard to get out of people's minds. But it wasn't always this way. And the time is short here, so I won't be able to talk in an uh, extensive way about the past history, but one thing that stands as a, a mark in my mind is Phil Donahue. His show started in 1970. This is 30 years before the study on condoms that you were talking about, 1970 to 2000, 30 years. I remember tuning into one of his shows, and you know he's very flamboyant and. Uh, really excited about this guest that he's going to have on. And he had a young woman on the show who had found out she was infected by genital herpes. Her husband had been unfaithful and she had contracted genital herpes and nobody in the audience even knew what it was. It was so uncommon at that time. We have just a very limited amount of time, but I think that fact alone should tell us it's not always been this way. So when we come back in segment two, we're going to uh, unpack some of those details you gave about what condoms, what do they provide in terms of protection, where do they fail, and what are the consequences of relying on this as something to keep us so-called safe. This is Jane from the Homefront talking with Dr. Frida Bush. We're going to be back after the segment and talk about how we keep our young people safe. Thanks for joining us. Stick around. the home front you're talking with jane and i am joined with a wonderful guest dr frida bush 
president of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. She's a board-certified OBGYN, so she brings a lot of information and expertise to the table. And tonight, she and I have one goal, which is to give information to those that are going to college, who are planning maybe to go in a couple of years, and the adults and the friends that support them so that they can really protect and enjoy this wonderful college time to the fullest without endangering themselves and jeopardizing their future years. Dr. Bush, welcome back. Thank you. Now, in the first segment, we just uh, talked briefly about uh, the nature of condoms and uh, the study by the NIH in 2000 that was prompted at the request of the CDC. And it showed that condoms were not really living up to the promises of the culture at the time. And the term safe sex, even though that has been debunked by that study, it still lives on. And even though we qualify it and call it protected sex or safer sex, the mindset of many people is that if you just rely on condoms, you're going to be so-called safe. In this segment, I want to really uh, let Dr. Bush have the full floor to talk about the realities of what condoms, what kinds of protections they can provide, and what kind of risk is still remaining, and what is that implication of that risk is for young people, not just now when they're in college, but in the future when they ultimately get married, want to have children, uh, and later in life. And Dr. Bush, we're going to set aside pregnancy. Condoms have been used for centuries to prevent pregnancy, but they actually came into our culture in a big way in the 1980s as a result of the HIV AIDS uh, disease that came onto the scene at that time. And in a flurry of looking around and figuring out how we could handle HIV AIDS, everybody looked at condoms and said, this is it. This is safe sex. And ever since the 80s now, condoms are being pushed as the the salvation for people who want to be sexually active outside of marriage. Uh, one of the diseases that you mentioned and, and I had referenced with Phil Donahue's show uh, after 1970 was the STD herpes. And at that time in 1970, it was unknown. People didn't talk about it. They didn't know about it. And he had this great expose to inform the public about herpes. Dr. Bush, can you fill us in on uh, the problems in relying on condoms dealing with herpes? And then you can go off from there into any of the important areas that you think need to be covered. Well, there is definitely some risk reduction with condoms with herpes. But in many studies, it's shown to be about 30 to 35%, which means, again, condoms are limited to the type of disease that it is. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, herpes is a viral infection, and it um, is transmitted by skin-to-skin transmission, which means that it we have no cure, we have no vaccine for it, and once it enters the skin,
skin, it has a tendency to recede into the neural pathways. And so it can go away without treatment or not be visible, and yet there is a shedding of the condom that can occur without symptoms. person will not know that they have it, will not know they have been exposed, and can still transmit it to other people. The condom, male latex condom, we'll principally talk about, will cover the shaft of the penis, but if there's any viral particles that are not covered by the condom, they can be um, passed on to the mm-hmm. other person. So that's one of the things to impart. Uh, condoms are also um, risk reducers for the HIV virus that we talked about, and... Um, but it's a little more effective for the HIV because of the nature of the HIV. It is not as infective. It takes more sexual encounters for that virus to be transmitted than it does for the herpes, which, as you know, has the name, the virus that keeps on giving because it does recur often monthly. Okay. For the herpes, again, I say the risk reduction is less than 50%, and many report in the 30s, mid-30s. Wow. For HIV, it's 85%, so it is why it was being pushed for HIV um, in the early uh, 80s and as it is still today. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that we have to understand also about the condom is that it is, manufactured in a way that if you read the package, it says it's like 95% effective. But in the real life, that's different from what is in the laboratory. Mm -hmm. And the laboratory does show there is minimal leakage of viral particles through the latex condom. And so, but in actual infection is highly unlikely from that that in the laboratory, but we know in real life, typical use, Mm -hmm. there is not just um, laboratory failure, but there is user and method failure. Right. And for the method, we're talking about leakage, breakage of the condom during intercourse or during withdrawal. Mm -hmm. There's also slippage, and either particles or um, fluid can be released with the slippage of the condom. And I cannot tell you how many condoms I've retrieved from women's vaginas that have had to come in to get them because they were, quote, lost. Hmm. Uh, there is um, also a proper way of putting the condoms on. There's um, what they call slippage and fi- slippage. Like if you begin to put the condom on properly, it should roll from the tip of the penis all the way to it is complete. Opened at the shaft. However, if you begin to put it on and it doesn't roll properly, many people will flip it over so that it rolls properly. But you forget that when you're sexually excited, the man begins in a pre ejaculatory emission, Mm -hmm. which means he gets a little moist on the tip. If he puts that condom on, it's getting that moisture, and he recognizes that it is on improperly. It won't roll. Then he flips it over, which now places his semen and places whatever body fluids that he may have released 
right next to the woman's cervix in her vagina. Mm-hmm. And so that is a typical way that uh, condoms are ineffective for um, dealing with user failure. Mm-hmm. So you have method failure, rupture, slippage, breakage, um, and you also have the user failure. And I will point out that in you would think that women and men or couples that had one partner known to be infected would be very conscientious in using the condom properly. But they have found in studies that even with known HIV infection in discordant couples Mm -hmm. that the always condom use sometimes is around 50%. And this is knowing the other person has a disease. That statistic to me when I first heard it was so relevant because we're pushing condoms on a very young population that doesn't really need to be sexually active, but with all of this encouragement and this notion that they've got the perfect tool that's going to help them stay so-called safe, they're encouraged to experiment in their activities and be open to activities that they might be able to set aside if they knew better. And we're encouraging them to use the condom perfectly every time. And here we have couples where they know that they risk HIV infection and they care about each other and they're still using it 50% of the time or less. That's a real important idea for people to latch on to. And we're going to come back and tie up some of these loose ends and get on to the hookup culture next with Dr. Bush from the home front, defending the home front with truth. We'll be right back. You're at the home front of an important battle. The American family is under assault. Eternal truths and understandings about family and marriage are being burned at the stake. Common sense is no longer common. Traditional values are being attacked as old-fashioned, obsolete, and irrelevant. Join us in the battle. Share, learn, and teach, adding your voice to the dialogue. Today at the home front. Welcome back to the Foam Front. This is Jane, and I am joined by Dr. Frida Bush, President of the Medical Institute for Sexual Health. She's a practicing OBGYN, board certified, and an expert on all of the subject matters that we talk about here on the Home Front uh, regarding medical health and sexual behaviors. Welcome again, Dr. Bush. Thank you. Now, we have just touch the surface of so much information. I know probably it's frustrating to you, Dr. Bush, because you have just this wealth of information and so little time to deliver it, but you've done a great job of honing in on some key areas. In the previous segment, we talked about condoms and what kinds of risks are left with uh, specifically herpes and HIV, but we also talked about couples who know they could potentially get HIV from their partner and they care about each other, and yet even these couples do not consistently use condoms. 
So here we are, and the point of this show, the reason why I wanted to uh, address this so strongly right now is that so many young people are getting ready to go off to college, and one of the unfortunate thing about college campuses is that dorms, RAs, demonstrations on the malls of these campuses are really in the habit of providing condoms free, uh, talking them up as something that you'll need and here's where you get them. And they're very short on information. The promises that if you use them correctly all of the time, that you'll be so-called safe or protected. And we've just started to dispel that a little bit here with a very short amount of time we have. I would like you, if this is of any interest or importance to you, to know that you can hear it on podcast. Uh, along with other previous appearances from Dr. Bush, the podcasts are available on my website from thehomefront.org. Just go there, look for the podcast, and you can get this show in its entirety, any portion of it that you've missed. I want to change directions a little bit now because the unfortunate problem with promoting condoms and all this protected sex talk is that we're leading students into the hookup culture and this is something that has concerned you dr bush for a long time yeah. uh, the change in sexual expectations what we consider healthy sexual behavior normal beneficial sexual behavior can you tell me because i know our time is short and and again it's going to be uh, very limited so i don't want to limit you with my question the hookup culture. You've got a book out. I'd like you to let the audience know the title of that and then give us the nuggets of information that really should guide young people as they're moving off to college to really look at what they're being encouraged to engage in by their peers, but also by campus officials and what kinds of decisions they can make that are truly healthy and beneficial for them. One of the things I'd like for the young people to know is that they do not have to make a decision to have sexual activity. That That is uh, normal, of course, to have a desire for connection with another person. In and But healthy relationships can be far more uh deep, if you would, without the sexual involvement, because sex involves all of the person, not just the physical pleasure, and that is a long-term event. So I just want to let them know you can have a healthy relationship without sexual activity, and if you just disconnect sex from that relationship, then that's what we call the hookup culture, when you have sex without relationship at all, yet the human person is wanting to be in relationship. So you kind of sabotage it, your future, and I just wanted to throw that out. If you mm-hmm. really want to have good sex, I would say wait until you are in a healthy, committed relationship with that person, uh, and then sex enhances it and kind of skyrockets, if you will, the whole experience with the brain. And the name of the book is called Hook. New science on how casual sex is affecting our young people because it actually talks about how sex affects the neurochemicals that are released in the brain, how they affect the actual 
laying down of the neural um, neural pathways and can get you into the habit, if you would, of having sex and get you addicted or hooked on sex without being concerned about the person with whom you're having sex. And I would just like for the young people to think, those who have been sexually active, if you do not have a connection with that person following it, I don't know if you've heard of the walk of shame, how uh, young people, girls in particular, may be in a co-ed dorm and live in another dorm, have uh, an experience with a person one night, and then the next morning they're walking back across campus in the same clothes that they had on the night before. And it's called the walk of shame. Well, if you had a relationship with that person, I'm not sure you would have that same grief, depression, and regret that is often Mm -hmm. associated with the hookup culture. One thing I think that we're not aware of, we think that the emotional bond that we have with somebody is something that is uh, something that we can control, and it's very disconnected from the sexual activity. So if I decide I'm just going to go out there and do this physical activity, uh, it won't be related to that emotional bond that I have. And yet we as human beings are de- designed for relationship. We want emotional connection ultimately. And we don't realize many times that the sexual activity does create that emotional bond. Can you address that uh, just a little bit? Well, I can tell you that there are many studies that have shown that when young people are sexually active, they actually are more likely to be depressed, three to four times more likely to be depressed than their um, friends who are not sexually active. Mm-hmm. Young men are actually more likely to attempt suicide than uh, young women. And so these are things that people may not be aware of, but that mm-hmm. it does affect them emotionally as well as physically. And 74% of young people, when they've done national surveys, have shown that they regret having become involved in sexual activity and wish they had waited to have sex until they did have a relationship. And so you also find that a lot of the hooked-up culture is powered by use of alcohol mm-hmm. and drugs, and which can lead to other risky behaviors. Right. Um, dopamine is one of the great neurohormones that makes anything exciting. And so it is released in greater quantities with sexual activity so that you want to become involved in that uh, behavior because it feels good. Right. And we also know that um, oxytocin and vasopressin bond the two people together. So even in a, it's just a one-night stand, you are going to be connected because that hormone, oxytocin in particular in women, is released connecting them to the partner. And this is the same hormone that is released when a mother has a baby and breastfeed. Mm-hmm. And we know how powerful that bond can be. Right. And so you're left with an imprint in your neural pathways of that encounter that can go with you for years. I'm sure many people listening remember that first 
first sexual encounter and the person that they were with and the circumstances. Right. Now, uh, we won't have a lot of time to get into it, but as an OBGYN on earlier shows, we talked about infertility as one of the results of these sexual diseases that can be encountered in these young years when people are having sex with multiple partners. And so can you give us just uh, maybe 30 seconds about infertility and a caution on future marriages and wanting to have children? 30 seconds. I know. Be, no, really it's just that chlamydia and gonorrhea are the two bacterial infections that are significantly associated with pelvic inflammatory diseases where the bacteria gets inside of the woman's body mm-hmm. where the ovaries are there to release the eggs and the fallopian tubes are can be scarred by the infection. It actually causes inflammation and pus. Mm-hmm. And the young women are more vulnerable to this because they're opening of their cervix is not very mature right. and so it gets scarred and they're very vulnerable to that infection. So well, it's important to delay having sex or even if you use a condom it's only 50% effective for reducing the risk of chlamydia and gonorrhea. Thank you so much for joining us and we're going to have a website where you can get the full discussion with Dr. Bush. Join us on that next side of the break. We'll be right back. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. Hey, I, I will stand my ground and I won't back down. Welcome back to the home front you're talking with jane and i am joined with a new guest here to follow up on our emphasis on healthy life for college students those young people that we care so much about that are heading off to college in a month or so and for all the young people that are coming up and following in their footsteps those adults that are listening you are can be the guardian, the purveyor of good news to these young people to help keep them safe. And I want to welcome to our show Janine McKenzie. She's the founder and president of the Center for Relationship Education. Welcome, Janine. Let's see. It sounds like we've we've lost Janine there. Uh, And I'll let the station uh, see if they can get her back. I will go ahead and recap a little bit of first segment uh, with Dr. Bush, we were talking about condoms, and we have given you all the hard news about why condoms cannot be relied upon. Unfortunately, when we're giving you hard news, that gives you just all the bad information, and Janine is going to be joining us and giving us some of the good news, because really, when you're going to college, we want young people to be looking at their future in all respects. What is their future going to be like uh, academically, the good grades that they're going to get? What is their future going to be work-wise and careers? And so Janine has been working with these questions for many, many years, starting out with young people in school. And now she's worked through her Center for Relationship Education with Adults. And uh, she is, I believe, now with us on the air. Janine, welcome. 
Yeah, I'm here. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Uh, glad to hear you. You have a long introduction that you didn't hear, but I think people know that the topic that we're going to be dealing with is healthy relationships. I'll just bring you up to speed just a bit. We've been focusing on condom promotion on college campuses. Our first three segments were with Dr. Frida Bush, who you know well, and uh, she was giving the real stats on why condoms do not promise healthy relationships for young people. We're looking at healthy outcomes and what can you do to shed some wisdom on these college years for young people? How can they really guide themselves into that future that they're longing for? Well, one of the things that we do uh, for senior uh, uh, high school kids is we do senior send-offs, and they're an eight-hour workshop, um, and uh, we talk about how to build healthy relationships. And this is a, a relatively new science. Um, we work with the University of Denver, Center for Marital and Family Studies, and other researchers across the country, and they have given us incredible keys to successful relationships. They even told us what makes relationships thrive and what makes relationships fail. And we also work with uh, a Dr. John Van Epp, who has a wonderful program called uh, Pick a Partner, uh, and his book is called How to Not Marry a Jerk or Jerk F. And he talks about the relationship attachment model. So all of these things, all these new resources that have been out there Probably for the last 25 to 30 years, young people really don't have. They don't have access to it. Um, they don't know how to do these um, skills. They don't have these skills. Mm-hmm. And we teach these skills to these uh, high school seniors. And, and we even teach freshman seminars across the country when colleges allow us to come in and work with their young people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not... Um, as a nurse, I'm not afraid of the condom message, but I do think that we're doing young people a huge disservice when that's all they get. Right. And I think if I would feel better if on the campus they would make condoms available, but still talk about this healthy relationship model that you're talking about and emphasize that because Ultimately, after you leave college four years on the campus, you don't want to keep going down that same path of a different sexual partner every week or every night or every month. You want to settle into a relationship that will really fill your spirit in the coming years and somebody you can rely on. So can uh, you give us a little bit of an idea of what you would do on a freshman campus and maybe how people can get in touch with you at the Relationship Center if that's something they think would be great to promote on the campus where their kids are going? Well, you know, one of the things we do, one of the things, one of the secrets and the keys to a successful relationships is to knowing yourself well is to being able to really know what your love language is, what your um, heart, if your heart was a love tank or a gas tank or a bank account, how full are you? Mm-hmm. Another, another thing is to learn, uh, are you enough? Uh, you know, a lot of kids feel like they're not enough, and so they're always looking for the next 
big thing and the next big thing. And by the time you think you're enough, they change the rules. They keep moving the goalposts. Right. If you look at the magazines, this is in today and this is out tomorrow and it's the trends and who's hot and who's not hot and who's in and who's out. And what we want to do is inculcate a sense of value to, to who these young people are uh, as a single person because the whole thing about you complete me is a farce. And so we have to yet let young people know that they are complete um, and they don't, they go into a relationship to complement, not to complete. Right. And so we, we do all of those activities. We do personality. We help young people uh, learn their personality profile. And, um, we call, we also do the relationship attachment model. We have 98 questions to ask before you partner. Um, 98 questions that you should be talking about. We have worked with Neil Clark Warren, and he has given us the compatibilities to put into this project so that young people can do, um, can talk with their prospective, you know, partner about uh, what are their similarities, what are their differences, you know, where do they want to go in life, how do they spend money, how do they eat meals, how many children do they want to have, what are their hopes and dreams. I mean, you really need to ask these fundamental questions prior to taking your clothes off. Right. I mean, you know, and and, uh, and when young people hear this message of self-discovery, everybody wants to talk about themselves. Everybody wants to learn about themselves. Right. And then when you really know yourself and how to learn about others, it is a, there's a spring in their step. There's a confidence in building healthy relationships. And guess what? By learning these skills, young people really become very choosy on who they are with intimately. Wonderful. Because uh, because it, it's not about being fearful of disease and pregnancy. Right. It's about saying, you know what, I want I want the brass ring. I want the good stuff. We we see it we see it all the time. Wonderful. Now, Janine, how can people get in touch with you to uh, learn more about the different programs you offer and maybe bring you to a college campus? They can, they can go to our website, www.myrelationshipcenter.org, or they can call us at 720-488-8888. They can email us. They can just contact us. They can find us on the web. And we'd be delighted to come to speak. We're doing a lot of work with the Greek system, where when school starts, we work with, you know, the, the, the sororities and the fraternities. Right. We know that a lot of, um, here's what's happening with the military right now. The military is retaining us, you know, uh, talking about the young people, because they have a directive to reduce teen dating or sexual assault and dating violence. Right. There's a directive from the government do that so how do you do that what do you what do you just say you make a rule and you think that it's going to happen no you can't make a rule and so what we do is we go into these uh, um, dorms or these you know uh, army posts or air force bases and we work with the young recruits and we teach them these skills on how to do relationships well wonderful and because they have not some of them have no modeling we, we now, they now have skills. 
Well, I so appreciate you being here, and hopefully this is giving people a taste of what's possible out there in the, the information world. If you get onto my website, you can connect with Janine from thehomefront.org. Thank you for being here. We're here defending the home front with truth from thehomefront.org.